Amen. Thank you, Azels and team. God bless you. I've been hearing about this harmonizing, and I'm so glad to experience it. Back in the days of the horse and buggy, story told about a farmer who came from his house to the town to buy some supplies. On this particular day, his dog decided to follow him all the way to town. The farmer, when he arrived into the storehouse and basically tied his uh, horse into the post there, the storekeeper noticed that the dog was panting so hard. And so he chided the farmer for letting the dog run while he was riding on the horse and buggy. And the farmer responded, he said, this dog is not tired from following me to town. This dog is tired from his foolish zigzagging along the way. There wasn't an open gate or a hole in a fence or a tree stump that this dog did not explore. <laughs> he is worn out from zigzagging. My beloved friends, I am absolutely convinced as I'm standing before you today that the reason our society is in the fix that it is in is because of our foolish zigzagging away from God. There's only one reason why the drugs and the murders and the addictions and the pornography and the sexual perversions and breakdown of the family other than the zigzagging of sin away from God. Our problem is not because we do not have enough government programs. Our problem is not because we don't have enough government spending on social programs. Our problem started back yonder when we began to zigzag away from God. In fact, it was just about the time when President Lyndon Johnson announced that the final conquest of poverty is within our grasp. About that same time, a group of offbeat theologians declared and announced that God is dead. By accident? I think not. The government now has replaced God and His church. In just about the same time, when they said God is dead, tens of thousands of social workers have arisen to take His place. And that is why the epistle to the Romans is so relevant to our culture today. It is so poignant to our culture today. It speaks to our culture today as well as allow the church to speak with a prophetic voice today. However, the time of the Apostle Paul, when he was writing this epistle to the Romans, when he was telling him about the wrath of God and the judgment of God that is coming upon the evil of society, when he wrote at that time, he did not have the benefit of 2,000 years of Christianity. He did not have the benefit of hundreds of years of Christian heritage. He did not have the benefit of 500 years of Reformation uh, or uh, some godly founders, uh, like the godly founders of, of this great experiment we call America. Beloved, here is an indisputable fact of modern history. 
after 2,000 years of Christianity, after 500 years of the Reformation, after 250-plus years of, of, of this American experiment, we are returning back to the pre-Christian Greco-Roman immoral perversion. Question. Could the judgment of God that came upon Rome after 150 years of Christianity, when it was declared a Christian empire by Constantine, and that judgment that came down by the Visigoths, by the barbarians that came and wiped Rome off the face of the earth, could that judgment be far behind today? Question. So turn with me, please, if you haven't already, to Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. In the last message, we started a series of messages from the epistle to the Romans, calling it from the valley to victory. I don't care where you are, how loud, deep in the valley you are today, you can walk out of here on top of the mountain of victory. Amen? That is why the series is called that, because it is exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us. Now, I want to make, give you a challenge. Young or old, whether you're technically challenged or not, it doesn't matter. I want, to, I want to give you a challenge. If you find me a mega church pastor who preached on the judgment of God and the wrath of God in the last five years, if you find it, I'll give you a copy of my new book. <laughs> the Hidden Enemy, coming out the end of this month. Even professing Christians are zigzagging here, there, and everywhere trying to find someone who would tell them there is no such thing as God's judgment. There is no such thing as the wrath of God. There is only a loving God who will never judge anyone. Beloved, they say that judgment is such a negative thing. I heard this with those two ears. Ne judgment and wrath is such a negative concept to our very positive preaching. Wrath is such an archaic concept today. In fact, so many in the pulpits today are playing amateur psychologists instead of truth proclaimers. I wish they were trained psychologists. That makes it easier. <laughs> but they're amateurs. Listen to me. <laughs> I know a lot of great doctors in this church, and I've known many great doctors in my life. I have never never seen a doctor who would say, because I want my patient to like me, I'm going to tell them that I'm not going to tell them the truth about their prognosis. Or because I don't want my patient to leave me and go to another patient or to another doctor, uh, I, I will tell them what they want to hear. Or because I don't want to alarm my patient, <laughs> I don't want to make them worry, so I'm going to tell them that all is well. I've not met that such a doctor, and I never will. Why? 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 Because truth is truth is truth. Here in this epistle of Romans, you find the Apostle Paul being a great diagnostician. He's diagnosing the problem. The problem of culture, the problem of society, and the problem even with believers. Before he could tell them about the spiritual healing that only can be found in Jesus Christ, he has to show them uh, their most depraved condition in which they are in. Before anyone 
can be saved from their sins eternally. They have to recognize that they're sinners until I recognize that I am not just a a sinner but sinful. Uh, I could not come to Christ and ask forgiveness of my sins. And here in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, Paul gives us three reasons as to why the wrath of God, the judgment of God, must, not may, but must take place sooner or later. Reason number one, verses 18 to 23, you can write it down if you're taking notes. Reason number one for God's judgment is going to be upon those who invert the truth. The second reason, verses 24, 27, God's judgment will be upon those who perverted God's gift of sexuality. And thirdly, Verses 28 to 32, God's judgment will be upon those of depraved minds. Inversion of God's truth, perversion of God's gift, deprivation of the mind. Follow with me, please. Those three causes of judgment as to the reason of judgment. In fact, those three things basically codify Every conceivable sin you can think of is going to come under one of those three categories. Let's look at the first one, the inversion of the truth. But before I get there, just bear with me just for a minute, because there are several things I need to tell you about the wrath of God. It is such a loaded statement, it's such a loaded statement that so many preachers would never even let it be uttered from their mouths. But it's very important that I need to explain to you what the wrath of God is all about, or like my British and Australian friend, the wrath of God. So either way is fine. It is very important because today, more than 60% of those who claim to be Christians deny or reject the wrath of God altogether. Keith Getty has a song called In Christ Alone. We sing it in this church. One of the stanzas goes like this, and the wrath of God was satisfied, talking about the cross. You will be amazed of how many uh, singers and how many musicians and how many pastors literally either take that stanza out or modify it. They say, there is no wrath with God, only love. Listen, just think with me, okay? What they don't understand is this, that the wrath of God and the love of God are two sides of the same coin. You try to split that coin and cease to be a legal tender. Without the wrath of God, the love of God is purposeless. Why? Because His love rescues us from the wrath of God. Are you with me? The love of God rescues us from the wrath of God. Without the love of God, the wrath of God is hopelessness. We'll just might as well let's eat and drink and be married, and for tomorrow we shall die. Now, here is the biggest misconception about the wrath of God, or God's judgment is not a capricious, uncontrollable fury as some people think, and that's why they avoid it. Most preachers today think 
the reason they deny the, the judgment of God or the wrath of God is because they associated with man's sinfulness uh, of irrational and uncontrollable rage and, and emotions. It's because they associated the word wrath with man's hate-filled anger. And they said, God cannot do this. God is not like this. It's because they associate the word wrath with this animosity or animosity-laden feelings towards somebody. So they throw the baby with the bathwater and deny the truth of the word. Some people think, just like an angry person, say, I'm going to get you for this. This is how God is. In fact, that's how Martin Luther for a while thought with God, I'm going to get you for this. No, 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 no. If you, if you understood this is what the wrath of God means, I hope and pray to God that you'll change your mind today because that is not what it is. The wrath of God has nothing in common with this understanding of this type of emotions. This type of emotion, emotions described in the Bible in the Greek word thermos, from which we get the word thermometer, up and down. But the word is used here is not the word thermos, but the word orge, which means controlled, settled matter. It's, it's, it's not, it has nothing to do with emotions. You say, well, what does that mean, controlled and settled? Listen to me very carefully because it's important. It is as controlled as settled as somebody jumping from the 10th floor building, 10th floor building, goes down to the ground. He's dead, right? It's settled. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with any of us, right? It's settled. It is like a person who puts his hand in the fire and keeps it there and comes out, oh, it's burned. It's controlled. It's settled. It has nothing to do with me, you, or anybody else. It's just somebody standing in front of a freight train, <laughs> He's going to end up being mincemeat, right? It has nothing to do with anybody else. It has something to do with the person. These are settled facts. These are indisputable things. But there's something else I want to tell you about the wrath of God. It is declared upon evil. It is declared upon evil. See, you and I get angry when our pride is injured, right? And we get, we get really miffed. And sometimes we even want to take revenge. That's the natural now, i got news for you. This is a freebie on the house. You don't have to pay for it. When you get older, this kind of thing lessens. <laughs> you get to the point where you say, I don't give a ding-dong what they say about me. <laughs> I mean, that's the good news about getting older. <laughs> I love it. See, when our pride are injured, <laughs> all right, God bless them. Keep going. But you see, there is no beef. With, on God's side, with the wrath of God, there's, there's no, no, no personal animosity, no personal anger toward a specific person. No. It is a settled matter as a person jumping from a high-rise building and hitting the floor is going to die. This is it. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. I want to make sure you understand that. This is very important. Hear me right, please. See, the essence of sin in the singular the root of sin, the fruit is all the sin, sinful things we do, but the root of sin in the singular is to get rid of God. That's the root of sin, is to replace God, or is to ignore God, or is to modify what God said um, 
and pervert His truth. And that is why the judgment of God is going to be on those who perverted His truth. It was Voltaire who said sarcastically, <laughs> and when you hear what he said, you'll understand why it's sarcastic. He said, God created man on his own, in his own image, and now man has returned a favor. And in case you haven't got this, we are creating a God in our own image, a God of which we approve. We want a God that we, that He agrees with us. <laughs> So, as society change and sin change, and we, one of God says, all right, that's okay. Keep going. I understand. That's the kind of God we want. The essence of sin or evil is either living without the fear of God or twisting the truth about God. Those who invert the truth about God's Word, those who tell half-truth about God's Word. Listen to me. Those who have made up their mind to live by their own rules, whims, and fancies are going to come under the wrath of God. Make no mistake about it. So what is the truth? Well, Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, you see, they rejected the knowledge of God. Their rejection of the knowledge of God is really the core of the problem. I know you heard people say, God is not fair. What is going to happen to those who never heard? I always say they are none of your business, except you share gospel with them. Leave them to God's care, love, mercy, grace, and justice. But that's okay. It's always a red herring. I always say, what are you going to do? You heard the truth. Don't worry about the ones who haven't heard. But if you look with me at verses 19 and 20, Paul tells us what's going to happen. Paul is saying that there is natural revelation of God that He has placed as plain as the nose in your face, except in some cases uh, the nose is so horrific you can't miss it. He is saying that when they look at the majestic mountains and when they look at the mighty oceans, when they look at the exquisite and intricate way our bodies are formed, uh, when they see the precision by which the, 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 the galaxies and the stars are operating, and after seeing all of that, and they do not believe in the Almighty God, then they will come under judgment. Is after seeing all of this and still think it comes from a blob, they're going to come under God's judgment. They just rejected God. I honestly believe, listen to me, I honestly believe, this is my personal opinion, take it or leave it, it doesn't matter. My personal opinion that the theory of evolution is one of the most incredible hoaxes that ever been perpetrated upon humankind. <laughs> How come that the God who created these magnificent things with such precision and accuracy cannot breathe on a bunch of dust and there is humanity? The New York Times, now you agree with me, that's not an evangelical paper, right? (laughs) You you, you agree, right? The New York Times, actually before it became fake news, (laughs) 
Back in 1979, July 11, 1979, reported, and I'm going to read it, the latest DNA testing is proving the evolution among humans is a hoax. That's not Christianity today. That's, That's New York Times. And what Paul is saying is this, denial of God is a concentrated act of the will to suppress the truth about God. No wonder the psalmist said in 19.1, he said, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament proclaim His handiwork. And that is why it says, though they knew Him. How? By looking at the magnificent creation, and yet they chose to suppress the truth about God. Instead of letting the natural revelation lead them to God, they chose to close their eyes. But there's one more thing I wanted you to know about the wrath of God. There is a day in which there's going to be a global judgment. The entire globe will be judged by God. And that judgment is coming upon those who have rejected God, those who have modified the Word of God, those who have changed the truth about God. But there is something else that it says here in Romans that makes you want to sit in a corner and weep. He said, even in this life, before the day of judgment, God gives them up to the consequences of the rejection. Several months ago, I taught you a biblical principle, but I am not going to assume that you remember it. But here it is again. God gives us more of what we want. Can you say that with me? God gives us more of what we want. You see it in the very early part of the Scripture. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God says, Mr. Pharaoh, I'm going to give you more of what you want. I'm going to harden your heart even more. The opposite is true. When you hunger for righteousness, you say, how how can I do this? When you sin, and we all stumble and fall, and then you immediately cry out to God and say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. That is not something a man of God or a woman of God should have. I am so sorry. Forgive me. That's hungering for righteousness. God sees that, and he sees that hunger, and he says, I'll give you more of my righteousness. I'll give you more righteousness. You see, that's why I said those who hunger for righteousness, they shall be fed. There was an old song we used to sing about, called The Bread of Life. It says, feed me till I want no more. Question, why does God give you more of what you want? See, God is a respecter of His creation. He respects us. I read not long ago that a number of, the, the number of people in the United States alone who have sexually transmitted diseases, over 70 million. And this is a while back. God didn't give them that. God did not give them that. 
They gave it to themselves. Why? Because all moral enlightenment comes from God. All intellectual enlightenment comes from God. All reasoning power comes from God. So when the source of this moral, intellectual, and reasoning power, namely God, is rejected, they descend themselves. They descend themselves. They descend themselves into this moral, intellectual, and reasoning darkness. Beloved, we see this all around us. We see it all around us. Look at the hypocrisy of Hollywood. Look at the hypocrisy. Not long ago, they were bragging that they've been the leaders of the sexual revolution. Am I telling the truth? Now, when this revolution backfired and created sexual perverts and sexual predators, they met the other day and said, Oopsie daisy. We got to preach another gospel. We don't want their gospels because their gospels lead to death. See, they don't understand that they're only reaping what they've sown. But the sad part is so many other people are reaping what Hollywood has been sowing. Listen to me. <laughs> I get very exercised at times. Uh, and that's why I, I try to read instead. But sometimes when I'm watching the news and, and you hear a news reporter showing some atrocity somewhere in the world, and, he's, and he'll say, this is man's inhumanity to man. I want to shout, no, silly. <laughs> this is man's humanity to man. Because without the one true God, there can be no true humanity. Without the light of the gospel, Man becomes a wild beast. They'll be like ISIS, where we see with our own eyes, even on the news, they've taken a Jordanian pilot who happened to be Muslim too, and they put him in a metal box, poured gas, and burned him alive. And this is just one of the nicer ones that I can talk about in church. Beloved, listen to me. Listen to me. ISIS is a true example of what happens to a society or a nation or a people who depart from the truth of God. Verse 22. Although they claim to be wise, they are foolish. Now the Greek word here for foolish is is the word from which we get our English word moron. <laughs> I remember back in the days of the miniskirts, they used to say, they're morons with less ons. <laughs> You'll get that in the morning. If you haven't lived in the 60s, you will probably never get it. <laughs> See, sometimes I hear some of these morons saying, <laughs> Because the final judgment has not happened, therefore it's not coming. Beloved, just because God is so patient, just because God is so long-suffering, it does not mean that He does not settle accounts someday. He is settling some accounts now by giving them up to the consequences of their choices. But the final day, the judgment day, the day of wrath, 
which is yet to come, he will settle all accounts. Old preacher used to say, payday someday. He used to go like that, payday someday, payday someday. Listen, God will bless and will bless and will bless and then bless some more. And then the day of reckoning comes. That's why the Bible said, no man will have an excuse. Nobody is going to have an excuse on that day. So if you heard it in the scripture, it was read just a few minutes ago. No excuse. No one will be able to say, God did not give me enough time. God did not give me enough opportunities. God did not give me enough warnings. No, 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 no. Judgment is coming upon those who have inverted the truth. Secondly, judgment is coming upon those who perverted the gift of sexuality. See, when God's truth is suppressed, the mind becomes darkened. And when the mind is darkened, all of God's gifts, all of them, but especially the gift of sexuality, becomes perverted, misused, and abused. You see, the secular humanists in the media went wild a few weeks ago, a few months ago, when our godly vice president, and let me tell you, I know the man. He is a godly man. He loves the Lord. When he announced that from the day of his marriage, he would not have a lunch date or dinner date or go in a car alone with another woman. You should have, hear, have, you should have heard the incredible attack on this godly man. They call him misogynist. They call him chauvinist. They call him sexist. And all the vitriol that they could spew out of their mouths. Then when all of these sexual perverts and sexual predators start coming to light, they never apologize to him. It's not in them. All of these God-hating groups are united in their perversion of God's gift. And that is why the wrath of God is going to come. Listen to what Jesus said, if you're still having problem with wrath, and you think, well, it's just the Apostle Paul. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath, this is Jesus now, God's wrath remain on them. Paul is basically saying the same thing that Jesus said in, in, in Romans 1.26. For this reason, what reason? The perversion of God's gift of sexuality. God gave them up. For this reason, God gave them up to their detestable passions. The females exchange natural, natural relations for unnatural, and the male Likewise, beloved, listen to me. I am pleading with you, listen to me. This is a very sensitive subject, and I know it is especially sensitive for those who have family members who are caught in this lifestyle. Listen to me. I'm begging you. Listen to me. First of all, if you have a family member, or like I do, neighbors, whom I go and hug, and I talk to and befriend, but if you have a family member... You must do the following. It doesn't matter who said what. You must love them. Love them. Love them. And then love them some more. Okay? 
It doesn't matter what a mega church pastor in this city or any other city said. It doesn't matter what a head of a denomination said. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court said. It doesn't matter what government says. God said that any sex out other than between a husband and wife in marriage is perversion of the gift of sexuality. We must always love those who are caught in that lifestyle. Always. 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 But you never stop praying and fasting on their behalf. Never, 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 never give up praying for them. Amen? In the past, I knew some people who came to the Lord after their contracting AIDS. We loved them in this church. We ministered to them. We conducted their funerals. I'll never forget a man. I can tell you his name, but I won't mention it. Who came to the Lord actually listening to me on radio. Then he came to the church, joined the church, baptized. Actually, he gave his testimony on a Thanksgiving service, Thanksgiving Day. And we used that testimony. We recorded it and played it in his funeral. I'll never forget in the presence of my colleague, Ron Irvin. Ron sitting right in the back there. This man said to us, or he said to me, he said, don't you ever stop preaching the truth. Deep down we all know it's a sin against God. Deep down we suffer the guilt of conscience. Deep down we wish we have victory over that sin. And then he said something else I'll never forget. He said, those who are most militant and fighting hard for their cause are those who've experienced the deepest conviction and carrying the greatest of guilt. I'll never forget that. He said, all of the acceptance in the world will not ease the burning conscience. A dear friend of mine told me just this week that a, a very reputable survey showed that 95 percent of those who have gone through sex change in Sweden, where it's so easy, 95 percent of them are miserable and depressed, and some commit suicide. Beloved, all of the honest and brilliant psychiatrists that I read have said gender confusion is a terrible psychological disorder, but it is treatable. It is treatable. And you can go through a hundred sex change, but until you come to the loving arms of Jesus, you'll still be unhappy. You'll still be miserable. But Jesus loves you, and He wants you to come to Him today. God gave us a second... The gift of sexuality to be practiced in marriage between a biological man and a biological woman. Listen to me. It's a terrible sentence. I might be emotional before you, but when I was preparing the message, I genuinely wept. It's a terrible sentence, and it's repeated three times. God gave them up. 
Anyone who rejoices in that doesn't know the heart of Jesus. Inversion of the truth, perversion of God's gift of sexuality. Thirdly, the deprivation of the mind. Verses 28 to 32. Here again, a third time, God gave them up. Beloved, listen to me. We are seeing this downward, downward spiral. I have an unchristian neighbor who really doesn't profess to be a Christian, and he was asking me, can you explain to me the speed by which we are going down? And he's not a person who knows Jesus. If a non-believer can see this, I hope that we who know Jesus can see this. As we're seeing this downward spiral before our own eyes, every step down, every step that is taken down in rejecting of biblical truth, every step we take down in twisting biblical truth, in modifying biblical truth, in, 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 in doing injustice to, to biblical truth, we see God hands of restraint. Let's go a little bit, a little bit, a little more, and a little more, a little more, until finally when the bottom of morality falls, this catalog of 21 evils will dominate our lives. I'm going to put them on the screen. These 21 categories, all manners of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, invent new ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents, senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I don't know about you. Every time I read this list, I want to have a shower. But now I'm talking about spiritual shower. But just think about this being a dominant thing. A terrible thing for our children and grandchildren. Think about. Now I wonder how many of us, even if we don't practice these, we approve of them by our silence. Always wonder why the message of, of the angels about the birth of Jesus, that he was born in the darkest of night. That's because he and he alone can meet us at the midnight of our soul. And you may be watching around the world, or you're here, you're at the midnight of your soul. Jesus wants to meet you, meet you at the midnight of your soul. Now I want to conclude by inviting anyone, 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 anyone who wants to cross over to the light of Christ. You can do that today as we pray in a moment. But then I want to tell you that all of the pastors and even some of our Stephen's ministry language here, 
They'll be here to greet you, to pray for you, to pray with you. No judgment. We're not here to cast judgment. We're here to introduce you to the light because we walked in the darkness too and came to the light. So we're going to be in front here to pray with you. But then I want to speak to those who know Jesus. I want to say this. As long as you're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the gospel as is preached in many an apostate church, I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. As long as you are living like those in darkness, as long as you are imitating and emulating the television shows, you have lost your power with God. Now, you notice I didn't say you lost your salvation? No. But you lost your power with God. And you too can renew your covenant with God today. For when you lovingly become unashamed of the truth, when you lovingly stand firm for the truth, you're going to find that many who are in darkness will come to you and ask you to help them cross to the light. It might not be today or tomorrow, this week or next week or next month, but they will. Some of them will at least. Will you pray with me? I'm going to ask you to stand. The searcher of every heart is here. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. He knows everything. And if He has spoken to you, if His Holy Spirit spoke to you today, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just slip your hand up in the air so I can pray with you. Just slip your hand up in the air. I can see you. Yes. Slip your hand up in the air. I can see you in the back. I see you in the balcony. Yes. Father God, you said. I didn't say it. You said it. That my word will not return to me void. But it will produce fruit. And I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you have spoken to so many of us. You have really spoken to all of us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that those who want to cross over to the light, they will have the power and the strength to make that decision today with the help of all the pastors who are going to be standing right here. Father, I pray for those who have lived their lives in the humdrum of this world, those who know Jesus, those who love Jesus, but out of fear and out of cowardice, they have kept quiet about the truth. I pray in the name of Jesus, give them the strength and the power that may restore the power they have with you. For, Father, I pray all of this in the matchless, majestic, powerful name, the name of Jesus, of whose gospel we're not ashamed. For it is the power. It is the power. It is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. In that name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys.